Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Uldis. And Uldis is a founder from Baltics. We're going to talk about fintech in Latvia and Lithuania and around the world, of course, as well. And uh, that is because he founded a Nextpay company that is a neobank. And we can talk about neobanks and, and uh, the, the needs that the people have that you can still... Um, address with neobanks or digital only banks and we will also touch on crypto and blockchain and um, let's see if this is a, a crypto uh, winter is coming up but welcome all this how are you today hi all right uh, sun is shining here in riga and uh, and i'm great so so thanks for uh, inviting me Brilliant. And, uh, you know, all this also has a podcast of his own. So we'll put the notes in the show notes as well. Very experienced podcaster. So you can hear it on his voice, right? So yes, sounds, yes, right? Uh, the, the attempting the late night FM DJ voice, but not not so good at it yet. So so do check out. Uh, it's the, called The Pursuit of Scrappiness. So uh, it's about Baltic uh, startups uh, and uh, and tech overall. So uh, so, yeah. Welcome. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what? let's start uh, talking about you first. And what is your background and how did you get to do what you do today? Yeah, so my background is in finance. Um, studied in a different kind of Stockholm School of Economics, both in Riga and in Stockholm, and, and started my career in banking, uh, commercial banking. And then, uh, and then did a couple of years uh, working for a in private investments company. And, and there I saw a lot of uh, a lot of different companies of different sizes in different industries as uh, especially back then in latvia companies doing investments were not very focused because there were not so many opportunities so they would go you know the full spectrum from a from a seed stage uh, tech startup to a uh, biggest waste management uh, conglomerate in the baltics so it was like very very uh, diverse experience and and also in that in that in that place uh, working in that place uh, also was uh, first introduced to um, to the crypto world, and then uh, then we invested uh, invested in one one project and uh, and so so it happened that that I uh, became the manager and CEO of this project. And we looked at the at the industry and realized that that while there are many many exchanges, uh, all of them have one thing in common, and that is uh, challenges with banks and payments. Uh, so we we decided to to use our digital assets expertise to create create a payment uh, platform uh, that would uh, serve primarily this digital assets industry, in which uh, I believe. <laughs> strongly since 2015 when I was first introduced to it 
and and that's where we have built kind of our our uh, our business around um, providing providing payments to different kind of uh, exchanges, brokers, funds, traders, um, you name it. So so yeah. So let's dig into this a little bit more. So what does your company Nextpay provide? What is the problem that you're solving when it comes to digital assets, digital companies, as you mentioned in the payments? What is really the the need there? It has been like that since day one. And to a high extent, it is still like that, that, uh, that basically if you want to operate a digital assets related business you will have problems with banking like 99 point something percent of banks will will say no uh, to work with you because they're just uh, choose to to not let's say not uh, invest into understanding this this business so so it is easier for them to say okay we just don't don't work with it so that's kind of uh was the initial problem and still is the problem to to a high extent these days and then uh, and then what actually we do we provide uh, as you said a digital only banking interface with uh, with an iban account with payments so that you can handle both your own kind of corporate needs as well as accept and and send payments to your customers for either sale or purchase of uh, of uh, digital assets or any kind of uh, business transaction so this is at the core of our product so so when we talk about neo banks then uh, then probably people will think immediately of some more retail oriented like uh, n26 or or revolut here we're talking about exclusively b2b not not a not a not a consumer product so uh, so this is uh, this is uh, what our focus is Understood. And um, so you said digital asset companies are your clients. So what kind of digital asset companies? You mentioned also exchanges. So is that exchanges or crypto exchanges or? or yeah, or what? yeah, yeah. So so uh, many many uh, crypto companies call themselves exchanges. They're actually brokers, right? So they 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 connect to some bigger venues. So uh, majority of of our clients are all different kind of brokers from different regions in Europe mostly um also some marketplace exchanges also proprietary trading desks or market makers or or uh, crypto investment funds um all kind of uh, also industry facilitators you know marketing agencies lawyers and uh and whoever whoever uh, has the need to to um manage some payments in uh, euro uh, but but it's related to to digital assets. I see, I see. So, what is different though about your solution versus other neo banks within that space, right? So you said B two B and you said digital assets. What's different about you versus others? Um, the origin is what differentiates us. So we started as an exchange uh, ourselves, and then. Uh, once we established this payments company, we we uh, kind of separated uh, the exchange and uh, but still run this uh, service as well. Uh, so basically, clients on our platform can not only make payments in euro, but also um, with the help of our exchange company, can travel to and from. Bitcoin, Ether, USDT, USDC—the main kind of uh, 
uh, cryptocurrencies that are used in uh, in B2B transactions. So this is kind of uh, in one platform, you can manage your whole treasury as a, as a digital assets business. All right. And that means exchanging easily between crypto and fiat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And are you regulated as a bank or a payments company or how does that work? We are an e-money institution. So uh, so that's that's the that's the license that we have. And uh, obviously for the for the crypto business there is uh, different uh, regulation. It's not uh, it's not uh, licensed by 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 the traditional finance regulators. I mean it's a whole different conversation which we could go into but I don't think it's uh, it's it's the right time. But but crypto regulation is 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 quite limited in Europe. Currently, uh, most countries have adopted uh, a form of AML uh, regulation. That that uh, crypto businesses in all kinds of countries in Europe are are over uh, like there's oversight uh, by the financial intelligence units in most cases. I know Switzerland is a bit more uh, advanced in in uh, in that as Finma is uh, is is regulating uh, crypto businesses. Uh, so, so we do have that uh, kind of uh, FIU oversight um, for for the crypto business as well. Okay, but in a nutshell, you said that you give your clients uh, IBANs, but you know who they are, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, that is uh, that is the core of our business these days to know uh, to know who they are, right? So it is uh, everything uh, that is happening through us is completely transparent, uh, documented, and uh, and uh, that is kind of the uh, the transparent side of uh, of of, of the also uh, digital assets world. So so not nothing uh, completely decentralized and uh, and anonymous uh, can happen. On, on such platforms, so there's there's other platforms for for uh, for you know decentralized, anonymous, and uh, unfortunately or fortunately, these platforms cannot really connect to traditional financial uh, uh, world. Right. So, which leads me to another question: What's your technology angle? Because sometimes when people talk about digital assets, they also would like to be believers from A to Z and say, well, everything runs on the blockchain, but sometimes maybe blockchain is not the best solution for connecting the traditional world and the DeFi or crypto world. So how does that work for you? I think What's it's, your I think it's, I think it's uh, largely kind of uh, a trade-off between uh, um, speed, convenience and uh, and decentralization and uh, kind of uh, anonymity right so uh, so it is very hard and and i know that some some of the big exchanges have also some uh, big future plans to to become decentralized but but they are not because they need to execute uh you know millions and billions of uh, transactions uh, every day and it just cannot be done efficiently on a on a blockchain yet so they they uh uh, choose to remain centralized, and so and so it is also with us. So uh, we are we are centralized. Uh, we we are uh, not not kind of uh, obviously we are connecting to to different blockchains, but uh, but but our technology is not blockchain based. It's uh, more of a traditional uh, database based than uh, than blockchain. So so it is uh, how to say it's a it's a big transition that's going to take many many years. If we are ever to to get to a 
blockchain-based decentralized world, I think that that it will take a long, long time. And and we are at the end of the day a financial services company. We are not a uh, you know in fintech. We are we are more more fin than than tech. I would say we're not innovators in uh, in in some kind of blockchain technology. And I I am a true believer in uh, in the companies that are and that they will eventually bring about so efficient uh, blockchains that uh, that we will be able to tr- transition away from the traditional uh, centralized uh, model. Um, and we we are just here to to kind of uh, bridge the gap and uh, and give uh, access to to payments in in euro and access to enter and exit the the world in uh, in in crypto for as uh, as many people as possible. And I believe that our biggest reach. Uh, opportunity is exactly doing it B2B, not trying to get those people, uh, end users, uh, you know, directly. All right, understood. So, you know, you go for B2B strategy, you're based in Lithuania and Latvia. What are your plans for scaling up? How do you think about scaling up? Do you think about going international or perhaps expanding your product range? Uh, What's your ambition? Our our business has been international from day one, right? So in in this world, uh, there is there is almost no location uh, factor, especially also in Europe where there is uh, passporting for financial services. So we are completely legally uh, able to to solicit our services in twenty nine countries, which we do, and uh, and have clients from all over Europe. Uh, and and also a bit outside Europe. Um, so geographically, we are already there. It's a matter of, of scale. It's a matter of recognition. So we, we have been on the market for a couple of years. So I think we have made uh, already a name for ourselves and are recognized. Uh, currently, the, the market in, uh, in Europe is quite uh, fragmented. There is no clear leader or, or or a group of leaders for example in the us it's it's pretty simple if you if you need banking for for a digital assets business then you just go to silvergate bank or signature bank everyone knows them then in europe it's it's not so clear there's a couple of players but uh, but let's say the market is still very much up for grabs and our intention is to is to be there at the top and uh, in terms of uh, in terms of product um, i would say that uh, you know we need to expand our our payments uh, portfolio uh, so that we have different kind of payment methods different kind of currencies so we can also then uh, look at expanding outside of europe so so this when we talk about geography then then yes in in europe we're already there full scale um, to go outside of europe and and provide kind of a more global solution than than we are now working very hard to 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 uh, invest in uh, additional additional payment methods and uh, and 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 currencies um so that's one thing another thing we we see a big uh, a big opportunity in open banking so um open banking as a, as an alternative to to card acquiring uh, so that combined with SEPA Instant is uh, is uh, is a huge uh, huge competitor uh, to cards. If you have tried this as a user, you will see that there is absolutely no convenience difference. 
between entering card details and some 3D secure password and entering your bank details and uh, doing some kind of uh, strong customer authentication on your phone. So the difference for you is very small, but the difference for the merchant can be, you know, even 2% two, 2 of the transaction. So, so I, I, see, uh, I see also a big, uh, a big opportunity uh, there. And also another uh, benefit for the merchant, you know, card acquiring settlements you get like, I don't know, twice per week or once every two weeks, depending on your size and the relationship. Uh, open banking with Instant SEPA is in your account in 10 seconds. So that is, that is something that uh, in Europe, I think, uh, we've done very well, and uh, and I think we need to keep pushing that and leveraging it to to come up with uh, uh, very interesting applications. All right, great stuff. But let's also talk about 2022, which sometimes looks like it's uh, you know even more difficult than 2021. Which seemed to be more difficult than 2020, which already felt difficult, no? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even I don't think that 2019 was so fantastic when people say, let's go back to normal. But it kind of looks like, yes, it was uh, last uh, normal year, right? But let's see. So, I don't even remember what normal was, man. <laughs> yeah. So you serve digital businesses. Do you think that we may be facing crypto or digital assets winter this year? You also seen, of course, some crypto exchanges. Uh, very well-known ones, laying off people for maybe the first time. What do you think is going to happen? Of course, you may look at it in, from a very long perspective, right? But um, what do you think is going to happen until the end of the year? Let's start with this. This is definitely not the first time in crypto that this is happening. So, um, and, uh, and the crypto cycle has been quite stable uh, ever since the beginning, the four-year cycle um, there were speculations uh, last year, early this year, that maybe this uh, you know big institutional adoption that happened in the last cycle will have changed the basic uh, mechanics of uh, of the four-year cycle of of Bitcoin. Because you know, let's be honest, you know, everything else is a der derivative of Bitcoin. So, so uh, so let's let's talk about the Bitcoin cycle, and uh, and. It looks this year that you know we're proving, proven once again that uh, that uh, that this cycle is is still as it is. So last time when we had uh, such big drops from all-time highs in the previous cycle was uh, basically during 2018. So that's exactly four years ago. So uh, so I would say that that this is more or less expected, and I did expect that it would come maybe closer to the end of the year and not so fast, but there have been some uh, kind of catalyzing uh, shocks in the, in the market that have, uh, that have impacted it. However, um, what makes this time much different is that uh, this is the first time since the existence of uh, Bitcoin that the rest of the world economy is is broken, uh, and that you know Bitcoin was created on the back of the of the global financial crisis of of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and uh, and ever since then you know the stock markets were always going up, uh, inflation was low, interest rates were low, everything was kind of. Uh, nice and dandy everyone was happy at the at the party and uh, and investment funds and uh, and uh, and all kinds of uh, wall street uh, bankers offices uh, however this time it's it's a lot different right we are entering this this crypto down cycle 
uh, also combined with a uh, traditional financial world issues. And uh, the excessive printing of money during the pandemic resulted in, uh, in a super huge asset inflation, which has now converted into real inflation uh, every, everything i don't know i know switzerland was expensive already before uh, but uh, but it's probably becoming even more expensive now but but now you talk to people like everyone's like how can everything be so expensive and and it's reality so what the banks uh, the central banks are doing they are starting to do quantitative tightening instead of printing money they are trying to get it back by by uh, increasing interest rates and all this balloon that that has been blown up uh, over the past uh, few years in traditional assets and also uh, digital assets is running out of air, and that air is blowing out very quickly. And and I believe that what we don't know and what we cannot really uh, predict is how crypto will react, how Bitcoin will react in this situation where. Yes, there's the Bitcoin cycle, you know, the adoption, the, the, the let's say, building, the euphoria, the paradise, then the fear, then the panic, then, then the collapse uh, happens all over again, right? Uh, but it happens kind of a bit in isolation. But now it's, uh, it's combined with this, uh, with this global financial tightening and, uh, and it is going to be yet another test of uh, of for bitcoin's uh, kind of uh, main narratives in terms of whether it's a risk on asset where whether it's a potential gold alternative whether it's a bit of both and how it will play out in this uh is is very hard to predict so what companies are doing you know the the ogs let's call them like coinbase and and some other companies you know they've been through this before so they don't they know what's happening and especially coinbase also was enjoying like super inflated in valuations and and very high expectations so they are just preparing for the worst scenario and uh, and companies who have been uh, in this uh, in this market for a longer time are uh, are aware of this and uh, and are being kind of uh, proactive and you mentioned layoffs in in Coinbase, but there's layoffs uh, across the board, right? Klarna, um, Gorillas in Berlin. Um, who else? I mean, there's the, somebody sent me a link. It's a it's a it's a crazy one. You it it shows all of the layoffs by month since uh, like a year ago. It's like almost vertically uh, ex exponential uh, graph. So. Um, so it's like a perfect storm, and uh, and it's 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 very hard to predict where where things gonna land. So currently, Bitcoin is trading around its previous all-time high, which is somewhere where historically it usually um, has has kind of uh, landed after after a crash. Uh, so so it's going to be very interesting to see. Obviously, there is a lot of fear on the market and uh, and a lot of uncertainty. So companies have to be really, really honest to themselves about their kind of uh, cash flow, uh, basically generation capabilities and uh, and runways, so that uh, so that they can uh, so that they can weather this storm. 
Right, which is a nice segue to what I was going to ask you next, uh, turning attention back to you. How are you positioned in this environment? What is your business model? How do you make money? Is this transaction based only or are there fixed fees or recurring fees? How does that work? Well, there's different kind of fees, but at the end of the day, the business model is very transactional. So so all of the all of the fee structure is based on movement of money. It can be resulting in some kind of fixed fee, but that includes some kind of volume. So I would just simplify that that the the, the, the our main business is transactions. So and that's how we that's how we that's how we make our money in in different uh, forms but uh, but at the end of the day it's it's uh, transactions so the the more transactions with bigger volumes our clients are doing the uh, the better off we are i see of course now maybe before we wrap up a couple of messages from you that maybe other people can uh follow as well when you first started you started to talk about your idea why why you had a problem how did you get the first customers how did you get going it's very easy to talk about, you know, successful running business for a few years. But what were your first steps? How, what would you advise uh, founders who are thinking about launching maybe a different kind of fintech business, but they still would need to face this sort of problem? Well, you need to, of course, uh, narrow down the focus. For the first couple of months, we were a bit uh, um, all over the place, you know, uh, trying to get retail customers, looking into some other industries, etc. But then we kind of uh, sat down with the management team and like, okay, so what are we good at? What do we understand? Okay, we, we have uh, unique competence in digital assets. We already have a network in digital assets. So let's get after this market because we also know that there is a huge, huge uh, problem in this market. So, so it is not like uh, some kind of silver bullet because obviously these are circumstances and very often they are like that. But, but if you go into an industry where you have a background and you have a network, then obviously it will be, first of all, easier for you to identify the problem and second of all, convince somebody to join you. And, and I think in, in financial services, it is also a matter of time because, uh, because it's a big trust business, right? And, uh, and it's not so easy sales pitch when you when you say, "Hey, you know, we are this uh, we're this new financial institution from the Baltics um, with a team of uh, fifteen people. You know, come and uh, trust your millions of uh, of, of euros of uh, your assets with us, right? So, uh, so this is uh, this is something that 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 just takes time uh, that you show on the market that you are. Here, the first year, you know, you go to the conference for the second year, people already recognize you and they're like, okay, so, so these guys are, are still around, so, so they're trustworthy. But in the very beginning, you know, you have to tap into your network, do what you understand, narrow down a specific, uh, a specific customer, because obviously uh, many products like, like a bank account you know, can be used by everybody. And that's, I think, the, a problem that, that many co- companies uh, face uh, in the beginning that, that they feel like, you know, this is a, this is a solution for, for everybody. There, there's, there's almost no, no, no solutions are for everybody. And uh, maybe besides Facebook used to be, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, but, 
you just have to find uh, you know the one the one customer segment for which the pain is the biggest and and go after it right so I heard good messages there that I try to preach everywhere I go, which is first start with the problem, right? Of course, uh, pick where you want to play, which is what you call focus. And uh, of course, if you have a background in a certain industry and you have connections, you need to use them to reach out to first couple of customers, right? So uh, all makes sense. Before we go, maybe, I don't know whether that's an easy or a difficult question, because when we talk about digital assets, sometimes I ask people, do you have a favorite business book that is somehow relevant to this that people can look up? And sometimes the answer is, well, you know, things are moving so fast, you cannot even publish a book about this in this space. Yet there are some. So what's your take on this? So it doesn't have to be related to digital assets, but something that was inspirational for you that you think maybe people could read up on over the summer? Well, there's one that, that is definitely about Bitcoin that I believe is very fundamental and, uh, and will not change over the course of, uh, of, of, of Bitcoin, its relevance. And uh, it, it has this uh, combination of, uh, of uh, kind of basic Bitcoin history and, and kind of philosophy combined just with a very, very uh, kind of engaging story. And it's uh, Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Meserich. I think they're even making a movie about it now. Uh, so, so it's about the Winklevoss uh, twins, uh, the guys who got, uh, uh, quote, fucked in the ear by Mark Zuckerberg uh, <laughs> in, in, in the early days of Facebook. And they, uh, they, they're just special guys. So, so they found a way to come back and uh, come back in a, in a big way. So, uh, so the book about their story is, um, is, is truly for anyone interested in understanding uh, why Bitcoin is uh, is so important? It's just the lightest, I would say, lightest reading that that, that there is about it. And in terms of general business, I would say my favorite uh, favorite uh, book or books are are the ones by by Ben Horowitz, like uh, Hard Thing About Hard Things, and uh, and uh, and the other one, the newer one, was uh, What You Do Is Who You Are. So I think it's just completely jam packed with with. Uh, with the realities of uh, of running a business. Brilliant. So I think the uh, Ben Horowitz book is the most quoted one here on this podcast. Yeah, I think this is not 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 a contrarian view. Definitely, I know seventh time I think, but uh, no worries. So, um, what is the best way for people to reach out, and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Uh, all this, whether this is about NextPay customers or business partners or investors or what have you or employees. Well, I mean, you you name them all, and uh, and a growing business uh, is interested to talk to to all of these. So, so the best way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I still uh, try to to pay serious attention to a, every connection because, as you know, that you know ninety percent are are some kind of random uh, spam connections these days. But I still do uh, read all of them and look through all of them to determine uh, the ones that are for real. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at oldis uh, underscore te, um, and then you know all Nextpay channels um, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, so um, so yeah, th this is how how you can follow us. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much, Oldis, and good luck to Nextpay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.